0: Hello, you are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. Thank you for joining us for Colorado Gardener. My name is Christy McGowan. I am mangoes, a sweet treat at its peak. By Kate Lowenstein and Daniel Gritzer. And this is from Reader's Digest, April 2021 edition. One summer day in the early 2000s, Pennsylvania dentist Bhaskar Savani sat outside the arrivals gate at New York's John F. Kennedy International Airport, waiting for his father to emerge. Three hours after his dad's flight from India had landed, the senior Savani finally materialized, his fingers smelling of, well, me. U.S. Department of Agriculture, USDA officials had barred him from carrying his haul of mangoes into this country. And rather than tossing them into the trash as instructed, he ate several pounds of them right there in customs. The younger Savani, whose father and grandfather were mango growers in Gujarat, India, wasn't surprised at his dad's refusal to let these mangoes go to waste. He was smuggling in the family's alfonsos, the most prized of 500-plus varieties of me, precisely because they were not allowed in the United States. Alfonsos are so much sweeter, juicier, and more layered and floral in flavor than those you can find in supermarkets here. Indeed, the family has spent the two decades since trying to bring it and other outrageously delicious Indian mangoes into your homes. Despite India's being the world's biggest and best producer of me, the mangoes you find stateside are almost always grown in your hemisphere. Most familiar is the Tommy Atkins, that Nerf football-sized dark red one with the splash of green and yellow. It comes from the mulgoba, one of six types of mango tree that an American professor in Pune, India sent to the states in 1889 and the only one that survived the Florida climate. But give a Tommy Atkins to a mango connoisseur and you'll get laughed out of this fruit of the month club. Much more worthy of your supermarket purchase is the bright yellow Atalfo, or Champagne mango, grown in South America. Especially during its peak season of March through July, I advise you to snap some up wait for them to ripen so that the fruit wrinkles slightly and enjoy a truly drippy redolent treat. Luckily the champagne also requires less labor from you it's less fibers to cut with a thinner pit to work around no matter the variety to get at my flesh poke with your knife to identify the orientation of my oblong seed then slice lobes off both of its flat sides Score the flesh into half-inch cubes, then slice the cubes off the skin. I suggest buying extra of me, not selfishly, but to make up for my high seed to flesh ratio. Ignore my color when you're looking for signs of ripeness. I usually taste best when I'm soft to the touch, like a very ripe avocado a three-quarter cup serving of me will give you half your daily vitamin C and 15 percent of your daily folate and copper needs and I may be your tastiest route to fiber. Think of me as more than just a fruit salad filler and roughage however I sweeten sticky rice and Thai desserts get tossed into Jamaican mango chutney and drizzled with fresh squeezed lime juice and sprinkled with chili powder and salt make for a popular Mexican street snack. I am tasty even when unripe, dipped in a Salvadoran condiment called a guaste, made from ground pumpkin seeds. Over the centuries in India I have become a national emblem, triggering mango orgies, eating frenzies at the start of my season, and even inspiring the country's paisley pattern, whose shapes if you look twice, resemble mine. Hence, the Savani's Quixotic mission to spread the magic. In 2006, after the Junior Savani had worked for years to convince the United States to let the Alfonso in, George W. Bush sampled one and called it a hell of a fruit. The U.S. and Indian governments struck a deal permitting Indian mangoes to enter the States. In return, India allowed in Harley-Davidson motorcycles, previously banned on account of their high carbon emissions. Savani imported the first load of Alfonso's in April 2007. Those boxes sold out immediately, and everyone thought it was only a matter of time before they took over the U.S. market. But the cost of shipping, combined with various USDA importation hurdles, put the price too high, up to $40 for a dozen. Aside from the canned pulp available online, the Alfonso left America. Yet Bhaskar Savani is his father's son. He now sells another delicious Indian mango, the Kisar via Fresh Direct, and vows that it's only a matter of time before the king of my species sits by its humbler cousins in your supermarkets. Choked Berries, choke Cherries, Sand Cherries, Some Wild Fruits for Colorado, by Michael Bronner. And this is from Colorado Gardener, Early Spring 2021 Edition. These native and semi-wild fruiting plants are tough, easy to grow, adaptable, and very beneficial to bees, butterflies, and birds. The highly nutritious, but often bitter fruits, can be tasty if prepared properly. When grown with their natures in mind they are useful and attractive landscape specimens too. Chokeberry, Aronia melanocarpa, isn't the same as cherry, Prunus virginiana. Native to eastern North America it's found in moist to wet woods, swamps, and dry slopes. In the garden, black chokeberry has three seasons of interest. The showy, five-petaled white flowers bloom in May, followed by pea-sized black fruit. In the fall, the attractive shiny green leaves turn a rich red and orange. The wild species commonly grows three to six feet tall, sometimes to eight feet. Other aronias are Morton Iroquois beauty, two to five feet, Mackenzie, Nero and Viking selected for fruit, and low scape mound, just one to two feet tall. There are two other taller species. Brilliantissima is six to ten feet with red fruit and blazing red fall color, and Aronia prunifolia eight to ten feet with large deep purple fruit and rich red fall color. All Aronia melanocarpa varieties are tough and hardy to zone 3, and 8500 foot elevation. The other species are hardy to zone 4, 7500 feet. All tolerate a variety of soil conditions, wet, clay, compacted, and even somewhat dry. They do have a preference for slightly acidic soils. In Colorado, plant with compost and maybe some coffee grounds or cottonseed meal to lower the pH. Mulch two inches deep and give some irrigation. They can be planted in a wet spot, around a pond, along a stream, or in a rain garden. They can sucker, which is helpful in erosion control, or you can remove suckers to control spreading. Full sun gives better fall color and fruit production, but Aronia grows well in Colorado in part shade. The fruit is technically edible but it is very bitter and astringent hence the name chokeberry. Don't believe sources claiming it is tasty. I have tasted several varieties and some are better but none are good enough to eat raw for a snack. However there is a growing market for chokeberries because mixed with white grape juice or used in baking, they are highly prized for their nutritional and medicinal value. Research has shown Aronia to have more and higher levels of antioxidants than any fruit grown in temperate climates, five times more than blueberries, especially anthocyanins, flavonoids, and polyphenols, plus vitamin C and manganese. Claims say it helps control obesity, blood sugar levels, blood pressure, etc. Native Americans made aronia tea for the common cold. This superfruit is now being grown by the acres in Midwestern states like Iowa and Michigan to sell to the health food market. Choke cherry, prunus virginiana can get confused with choke berry, especially our western subspecies since they are both Melanocarpa, black-fruited. But chokecherry is a tree growing 12 feet to 30 feet tall and a strongly suckering plant, often making colonies. It grows natively in Colorado's canyons along streams and ditches and seems to like moist locations. It can stand some drought but really declines in dry years without irrigation. The foliage turns to a beautiful red in fall. The white fragrant flowers hang down in racemes and are followed by red turning black bird cherries. These fruits are very astringent and require cooking, often with sugar, to be edible and delicious. The fragrant flowers feed bees and butterflies and birds and bears love the cherries. It is hardy to zone two or 10,500 feet. There are two purple-leafed selections of chokecherry, Schubert and Canada Red. Both trees leaf out green and turn purple-red as they mature. According to some sources, Canada Red was selected for faster growth, straighter trunks, and better branching. Other experts say if they are grown vegetatively, not from seed. There may be little difference between them. Another purple-leafed variety was found and propagated by Scott Skogerbo of Fort Collins Wholesale Nursery. Unlike other choke cherries, it doesn't have the problem of spreading widely by suckers, so it is called Sucker Punch. A yellow-fruited variety, Leucocarpa, was rediscovered at the Cheyenne USDA Experimental Station and named Yellow Bird. All chokecherries make good screens, wildlife habitat, and are useful for controlling erosion. Another native Colorado cherry is Prunus bessii, the western sand cherry. This shrub is sometimes confused with the purple leaf sand cherry, Prunus Cystina, a small non-native tree. Prunus spreads four feet to six feet tall with masses of fragrant white flowers that feed the bees. Following the flowers are large, three-quarter inch round, purplish-black cherries that are favored by birds. These fruits are sometimes described as edible and sweet. But like most seed-grown fruits, there is wide variation. The ones I have eaten were only okay. They are recommended for pies, jellies, and jams. The glossy gray-green leaves turn a soft red in fall. The plant likes sun, tolerates a wide range of conditions, including heat, wind, and cold to Zone 3, 9,000 feet, and has a moderate to xeric water needs. In my experience, it does not like wet feet, nor too much drought. Rabbits can eat the thin stems to the ground in winter. Colorado Gardener editor Jane Schellenberger says, mulching with sharp-edged pine cones, ponderosas, discourages rabbit munching because it hurts their feet. An outstanding selection, Pawnee Buttes sand cherry from Plant Select, varies between 15 inches and 30 inches high and spreads four feet to eight feet wide. It has the same flowers and fruit as the upright form. Other variations sometimes available are boulder weeping, a very creeping form found in Boulder County, blonde Bessie, and Hansen's bush cherry. Other native fruits that are beautiful, useful, beneficial to wildlife, and good to eat, even raw, are prunus americana, the wild plum, ribes aureum, Golden Currant, and the selection Gwen's Buffalo, Ribes Odoratum, Crandall Clove Currant, Amelianchiae, Alinaflorina, Serviceberry, and Vitus Riparia, Riverbank Grape. Batty for Bats, a Gardener's Friend, by Diana Wells, and this is from Green Prince. Spring 2021 Edition This fall, I had a nasty surprise. I hadn't suspected my roof was leaking. But it turned out to be so deteriorated that there was no choice. I had to get a new one before winter. So on one of the last fine days of autumn, I sat in the yard and watched as the old one was pulled off, filling a huge dumpster. The young roofers seemed fearless, dancing over the steep rafters as if they were flat. It was like watching a marvelous ballet, silhouetted as they were, carrying huge plywood boards, leaning, passing each other, seeming to move in time with the loud Spanish music that blared from the lawn. I couldn't tear myself away. It was as if I had journeyed to some exotic foreign country to see a famous acrobatic show. Actually, I could have traveled a long way for what it cost. Anyway, as they didn't speak English, I showed them a picture of a bat and pointed to the attic of the house. They nodded vigorously. I wasn't surprised. Long ago on summer nights, my husband and I used to count the bats as they came out of our roof to sweep over the darkening lawn or dip into the pond to drink. Eat! Eat! Charles would cry and they did. Bats live in high dark places, sleeping all day and emerging at night to hunt. Typically, they would live in high church bell towers or belfries. There is a saying that if a person has bats in the belfry, head, he or she might be a bit crazy or, well, batty. Bats look like flying mice. And indeed, their German name is Fledermaus. But they are not even related to mice. Indeed, they are unique among mammals. Their Latin name is Chiroptera, meaning hand wing. Bird wings consist of an arm bone and a single finger. But bat wings are constructed of four elongated fingers with a fifth hook used for climbing and hanging. Their wings are covered with two tough membranes with a space between for blood vessels. There are nearly a thousand species, including fruit eating and blood drinking, or vampire bats. The little brown bats that live in my attic, and that I hope returned, consumed thousands of insects, mostly mosquitoes. As well as being invaluable for this, they are mesmerizing to watch as they swoop through the twilight skies. An old name for bats was vespertilio from vesper or evening, navigating by each other with perfect accuracy. Blind as a bat is not accurate for they can see, but they hunt mostly by echolocation, emitting very high-pitched squeaks that bounce off the prey they are chasing, however small. In spite of their amazing qualities, bats' reputation has never done them justice. Lewis Carroll compared them to a tea tray in the sky, which I don't find funny. Most myths associate them with black magic, witches, and hell. Macbeth's witches included wool of bats, as well as dogs' tongues in their disgusting brew. Paintings of the underworld almost always show some bats flying around. We gardeners know better and will often buy a bat house for our yards. Even so, most people still fear them, thinking they can carry rabies or get entangled in their hair. I must say I too was scared when one ended up in my living room. Especially as I had been reading Dr. Faustus when I felt it flutter near me. It left the house when I opened the doors and windows. But I needed to call my son in California for moral support. He talked me through the experience on my cell phone. Anyway, bats can get rabies, but it isn't common. And they don't get tangled in anything, even human hair. A 12th century bestiary described them as paltry animals, but touchingly added that they hang on to each other like a cluster of grapes. And this they do from a certain duty of affection of a kind, which is difficult to find in men. Sadly we don't always feel to each other a duty of affection. Lately bats have become entangled in the world pandemic, said to have originated from bats in the roof of a Chinese market. Whether or not this is true, it certainly isn't their fault. Bats don't have many enemies apart from humans, though they are sometimes hunted by owls. In Shakespeare's The Tempest, Ariel crouches in a cowslip when owls do cry, but then on a bat's back I do fly to hide in the blossoms under the bough. The bat, presumably, then returned to its dark home. Bats live a long time, up to twenty years. Maybe the bats that came out from my roof are the same ones Trolls used to watch on summer evenings. I hope so. They have one pup per year. Any more would be too heavy to carry in flight. And once born, the pup nurses on the sides of his mother's belly, to which it clings. My new roof has a 50-year warranty, and there should not be any new holes in it. Still, I hope the bats found a way back in, and that they will still be around when the roof and I give out. For bats surely come from heaven, not hell, if you ask me. Waddle About by the famed Washington Post Garden columnist Henry Mitchell And this is from GreenPrint's Spring 2021 edition. It is agreeable to waddle about in one's own paradise knowing that thousands of others have better gardens with better thises and that's and better grown too, and no weeds at all. To know this, and grin as complacently as a terrier who just got into the deviled eggs, and to reflect that there is no garden in England or France I envy, and not one I'd swap for mine, this is the aim of gardening. Not to make us complacent idiots, exactly but to make us content and calm for a time, with sufficient energy, even after wars with bindweed, to feel an awestruck thanks to God that such happiness can exist. For a few days, of course. This is the Audio Information Network of Colorado. Thank you for joining us for Colorado Gardener. My name is Christy McGowan. We invite you to please stay tuned for our next program.